0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a drink really quick, but I'm gonna take you with you. Me.
1: <laughs> you want a drink? You're good. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be drunk? You gonna get drunk? I fucking like, <laughs> We can we can talk more about that,
0: but I fucking <laughs> love that so much, and for some reason, I have always throughout the years thought it was so fucking cute. Oh yeah, hundred percent.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom and then record our thoughts... And then put them on the internet for your listening pleasure. And I am coming from warm-ass Chicago. The yeah. weather is finally, summer's finally hit. And so you're going to hear my air conditioner in the background slightly. Uh, sorry, not sorry. It's I'm not about to sweat my ass off for slightly better sound quality. So uh, you'll hear
0: my ice cubes floating around in my giant drink of rum.
1: There you go. He's got rum. I got water. We're ready to go on this yeah, ride. Renee night. is
0: being fucking responsible. <laughs> what a dick.
1: <laughs> and how are you doing, Max?
0: I am fantastic. All things considered, I'm not fantastic. I'm bored as fuck. <laughs> now that the weather's getting nicer, I am. Getting so antsy, it's ridiculous.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh late.
0: my god! All I keep thinking about is rooftops, patios, and beaches. And, and oh I my god,
1: do any of it? Yeah.
0: Stupid pandemic. And but... also, you know. Well, yeah. Everything. Civil else.
1: unrest due to the horrible, horrible, horrible treatment of. Civilians by the police, yep. Uh, yes, we, uh, yeah. Well, twenty twenty I mean, is just
0: getting better by the day, isn't it?
1: Well, this this is necessary. I oh, mean, absolutely. COVID nineteen COVID nineteen was unnecessary. The you know the world didn't need to put that in our laps, but the civil unrest and the protests and everything that's happening, unfortunately, is necessary because. Yeah. People weren't getting it. This has no. been happening for decades. And people weren't getting it. And now you get it. And if you don't at this point, you're being willfully ignorant or just straight up a hater. Like a legitimate, like full of hatred person.
0: I think ignorance is really a big part of it. And I, I don't say that like with a connotation to it. I mean just a literal lack of knowledge about the situ- yeah. about any situation. And I think that's always one of our biggest threats is the lack of education, the lack of knowledge passed on to other people will always be a, our Achilles heel. So how do we fight that? We fight that by educating people, by getting mm. the word out, by making people aware. And I think all I keep thinking about is that 2020, like all of this stuff feels like it's just coming to a head this year. And it's all kind of congregating in this year. And, and hopefully what I keep telling myself and keep telling you is that with everything that's coming to light, it's kind of being forced down everyone's throat. We can't ignore it anymore. We can't ignore any of this shit anymore. We actually have to make a change. And, and that goes for everything else too. That not just the societal stuff that goes for, I mean, you could do it even with the pandemic, uh, changes in the healthcare system, changes in even how we behave on an individual basis. Um, you know, hygiene and and personal space and all that stuff. Um, God, even even climate change started coming to a real head this year too with the fires and um well and then when the pandemic hit the the world magically became clean
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so that's what i'm hoping from all this is it's like all right let's let's, let's keep powering through this let's make some necessary changes cuz like you said this is necessary let's but let's make sure it results in a positive shift forward
1: yeah it uh we're not going to see any positive change as far as you know what the most important thing, which is you know stopping racism and stopping the bullshit treatment of of law enforcement to civilians. We're not going to see any change until law enforcement's defunded, or you know significantly defunded, and until we see that. I, I, you know, all this is great, but yeah, you know,
0: did you see uh it's, it's LA like,
1: it's, it's like a, it's like what killer Mike says. Like there's, you know, there's, there's too many people making a profit off of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And
1: like, you know, if, if crime goes down, profits go down. Like, yeah. and, and the one thing is, you know, there's all these people donating to the bail Funds of all these different cities in order to get these protesters out of you know out of arrest these arrested arrest situations because it's not even jail. A lot of them are being held in other certain places. There was one report where someone mentioned that they were arrested and they were taken to a fucking garage, like a fucking parking garage with like multiple stories, and there were hundreds of people there, and that's where the fuck they were detained for overnight, and then they were released. Uh, but it's just like that's where really they're process yeah like that was in richmond um that was someone's report there on twitter okay seriously
0: um, is this the so apocalypse just, like
1: what the fuck no, it's not it's not the apocalypse dog this is what the fuck's been happening like this is this is what law enforcement really is like this is who they are they're just showing their goddamn colors because they have a god damn backer in the current chief of chief of staff the the president, but until yeah. and yeah, and then of course if you know he gets, what I mean, he's the extreme, and then there's Biden, which will basically be like a step down. Yeah, but I mean, it's a necessary step down, so it has to be done.
0: But it's it's still more I of mean, the same you know shit. What? Like it's it's more political bullshit. It it's yeah. it's not what we it's but, not the the real change that we need.
1: But yeah, as as I was going to like, there's still, all, where's that money for all the bail funds going to? Like all the donations that we're we're making for, you know, good reasons to help good people escape situations is then going to the pocket of the fuckers who created the evil act in the first place. Yep, they're just profiting off of this bullshit. They're profiting off of this curfew change that they constantly are making.
0: And. And you've said, you've said the word over and over and over already that's the real fucking problem behind literally everything you can come up with right now. Profit. Yeah. Until we as a society start to shift in a direction where profit is no longer more important than people, when people are more important than profit, we're going to have issues.
1: Okay.
0: We're going to have huge fucking issues until we make that change. Profit should not be the driving force behind every fucking decision we ever fucking make as a society. That is a doomed strategy. And it's appalling that a species would put that first over its own citizen's existence. We're not even... (sighs) At this point, we're not even talking about luxuries or, you know, like, uh, creature comforts or shit like that. It's just just plain old individual rights to live and conduct your life as you see fit. Really simple shit. But the moment we introduce capitalism into the fucking equation, it all goes to shit.
1: Well, speaking of law enforcement, we watched Miss <laughs> Let's get into the happy stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, the the second of our Sandra Bullock double feature, um, one chosen by Max here. And uh, Miss Congeniality, let's just go straight into the stats there. Uh, it is a 2000 uh, American comedy... Kind of romantic comedy film. We'll get into that. Uh, directed by Donald Petrie, written by Mark Lawrence, Katie Ford, and Karen Lucas. And it's starring Sandra Bullock, Michael Caine, Benjamin <laughs> Rath, William Shatner, Ernie Hudson, and Candace Bergen. Uh, the Good Geniality was released by Warner Brothers Pictures on de- uh, December 22nd, of 2000. Hmm. So it was a Christmas movie. Huh. Uh, and Sandra Bullock also garnered a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress um, in Motion Picture Comedy or Musical uh, she, uh, nomination. Excuse me. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, this film follows Grace Hart, who uh, has become a an FBI agent. And there's a, and basically, there is a, there's a bomb threat most basically a bomb threat to the Miss United States pageant and Grace has to go undercover in order to stop that bomb threat and she is woefully unprepared for the pageant life. Hijicks and Sue. Um
0: and then was, Michael Michael Cain transforms her and we realize she'd <laughs> a bomb.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and uh so yeah, as I mentioned, um uh released December twenty second, two thousand. How long is this film?
0: Hmm. Hour
1: thirty-five. It is an hour and fifty minutes. Hour fifty? Hundred and ten minutes. It is Wow a longer film. Um it didn't it didn't feel that long. It's because there's that because it's a story that has a whole you know a who done it yeah and so when you have like the whole mystery behind it it keeps you on the edge of your seat if you're interested and so because of that you don't necessarily feel the time ticking away because you have that to go along with the interpersonal stuff that happens so there's a lot that they pack in within that time frame to make it not feel as long and um, the budget for the film was $45 million. So they gave this film a good chunk of money to in 2000 to make. Um, how much did it make in the box office?
0: I'm going to guess that this was actually a pretty damn good success. So I'm going to say somewhere like $170 million.
1: It made $212.8 million.
0: Damn, I was still way under.
1: Yeah. It was a box office success, which is why a sequel was made in 2005. Oh, it makes uh, sense. Yeah, that is why if there is a sequel made, it's because it made a shit ton of money in the beginning, or at least made more money than expected in some facet. Um, the only anomalies are like the like the early 2000s that had like a cult following on DVD, which then caused. Sequels to happen, like the Harold oh, and Kuhn, right. for instance. Right, it, it made a lot more off of DVDs than it probably did in the box office, um, and rewatchability there. Um, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, how out of 115 critic reviews, what percentage does it have?
0: Sixty-eight percent.
1: Forty-two percent. What? It is a 42% movie on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what?
0: I don't fucking get Rotten Tomatoes. I think I say that every episode, but I... (laughs) What the fuck? I Okay, whatever. Whatever. No rum for you, uh, Rotten Tomatoes.
1: (laughs) uh, A positive review from Carrie Rickey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, It's a likable comedy with many pratfalls, a couple laugh-out-loud moments, and a deep understanding of pageant superficiality. A couple
0: laugh-out-loud moments...
1: Uh, While Peter Travers, in a negative review, wrote, Unless you think it's a riot to watch Bullock fall over herself repeatedly in high heels, this miss is a mess.
0: Oh, get the broomstick out of your ass, dude. (laughs) It's a great film. (laughs) I'm not holding back my feelings on this one.
1: I I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it... it, I mean... the film is pretty funny. Like, it just... I found myself, while watching this film, laughing a lot. And this was the first time I'd watched it since the initial time I watched it, which was with my mom and my sister. I don't know if this was actually, like... We used to do, like, a Christmas movie. Like, on Christmas Day, like, there was nothing else open except the movie theater. So after... And my family, because there were divorces all around (laughs) my my parents divorced when i was four um my sister at the time was married to a guy who had a daughter from a previous marriage so there was you know there were basically things to maneuver around so um they we would open our presents on christmas eve morning Mm -hmm. yeah not even night morning So we would open everything on Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Day, we would just be sitting around like Christmas is basically over. Like everyone else is opening their presents and doing like the Christmas dinner and everything else. We're already done.
0: So Mm. on
1: Christmas Day, we would end up going to see a movie just to do something else as a family. And uh, so this, I believe, was the Christmas movie that we saw um seeing that date i was like that that makes sense because i remember seeing it with a lot of family members I've damn so seen, it's it's been of that offices. long since you've yeah, seen so it I, yeah um like seeing it like all the way through i've seen mm. like, bits and pieces as it's playing in the background of, you know of, like friends things but i'd never sat and watched it since i watched it in theaters okay and yeah it was uh it was like i laughed a I, I laughed at a chunk of spots and also watching it as an adult, you know, 20 years later you you get a lot more things and you see a lot more like interpersonal stuff and and there's there's some aging that's happened with this film <laughs> yes. Um, yes You know, like the gay jokes um, Yes That's always the blatant That's <laughs> the always
0: blatant obvious, joke.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, You know, the initial like Michael Caine asking, you know, Benjamin Bratt to stick around for dinner on their initial meeting. And he's like, oh, I got, I got that thing. Uh, I can't, you know, stick around. And then, you know, toward the end when they get backstage and Michael Caine says he's with me. And then Benjamin Bratt's like, I'm not with him, with him. Um, Yeah. Benjamin Bratt's character. I couldn't help but
0: notice it would have been better with Ryan Reynolds. Ha!
1: <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was like 20 something. He would have he would have failed horribly at that. Oh yeah. Uh, that was a huge reason why I, we watched the film on Christmas because my mom and my sister Monica have huge crushes on Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt was huh? on law and order at the time and so he, he was? was yes, uh, so he he was a grade A hunk. He was a, he was like basically, Patrick Dempsey, aka McDreamy, before McDreamy, uh, hmm. everyone was trying to get in his pants. So uh, that was a huge reason why, I, uh, you know, the, that my sister and my mom liked the movie. Um, I thought it was funny, and also, you know, Sandra Bullock, and who doesn't have a crush on Sandra Bullock, especially oh, God, yeah. you're younger, and I mean even oh, to this day.
0: That whole scene where she comes out of the airport hangar. I mean, I
1: was literally about to say, like, let's like, just start there. That is – that legitimately has stood the test of time. That is an oh, yeah. iconic scene. Yeah. A fil- like how it's filmed. Like that is a piece of film that for a movie that's just a – like just a, a – com- like a so-so comedy. Like nothing exactly – you know, not reinventing the wheel with anything, but that scene—how it's shot, how she comes out—everything is literally an iconic piece of film that everyone's eyeballs have seen at some point.
0: Yep, and it's that's a great something. scene. And, and every time I think of that movie, that, that's the only th- scene I, that comes to mind instantly. Of course, it's it's synonymous with the title. Like that's all I ever think <laughs> of. So it's a great scene. Great scene.
1: It is. It is just they, they did a fantastic job with it. The
0: little, the little stumble she has at the end. She does this this I, slow walk out in slow motion, and then has the. I was never
1: a huge fan of the the heel falling like thing. It's like, uh, I mean, it's a it's cliche
0: slap. and obvious, but at the same time, it's like it it grounds the movie a little bit. So it's not like it's not like another movie where she just makes this radical transformation, you know. And like kind you're just, just expected it, to believe it.
1: It's almost like a reminder to everyone. Yeah, she's still her. Sort of yeah, thing.
0: exactly, exactly. Like, don't forget who she really is. You know, like deep down inside. <laughs>
1: uh, what do you have a, an initial memory of of this film? Like the first time we watched it, or just anything like that? Mm, no, I've seen it. I've seen it a
0: bunch of times. I I don't have a potent memory from the first time. Um, I would say, I would say the most. The most potent memories I have of it were with one of my exes. We would we watched this quite a few times Um, and she loved it, too. So we we watched it. It was one of those movies that was like always on TV for a while, Um, like on TBS or something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we we would just throw it on like it always be on like the weekend or something or like a Sunday evening when we have nothing else to do and we just have it on in the background. And I remember her, like, I, I, I've i mentioned this to you before, but I love when Sandra Bullock's, or Gracie Hart, when Gracie Hart does the whole, like, you want to date me, you want to <laughs> love me. that the, Those, I think it's only two scenes, but aside from the airport hangar scene, those are the things that I always think of when I think of this movie as well. And it's, I think it's partially because yeah, my... What it's
1: done twice. The first time she she comes back uh from the overnight training session before yep. the preliminaries and then at the end of the film.
0: Yeah, it's only two times, but I feel like it takes up the whole movie. Um, <laughs> but I, I think my potent memory is from that where my my ex would say that, see that like that line or one of the permutations of those lines all the time. And I thought it was, I, I mean, I thought that those scenes were adorable before anyway. So she just latched onto that and my love for those scenes to begin with. And then she did it and I thought it was even more adorable. And I was like, all right, this is, this is amazing. But so that's kind of like latched into my brain where it's like, all right, those are, those are good scenes. Good memories.
1: Oh Yeah. What mm-hmm. about.
0: Well, are you, so you you said you, you've only seen it twice, right?
1: It. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um. Yeah. So, you know, we we touched on how this film has aged. Um. They play up the 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 toxic masculinity of the FBI in this film. Yep. So, I mean, they they play it up for jokes, but. At the same time, like it's an it's a thing. It, like it's a it's an actual like not perk. It, it's an actual personality trait personality trait of these people that are, you know, in the FBI here. Like that that they've written into the film. Where it's just, you know, he's uh Benjamin Brad's character—I forget his damn name. Everything. Um,
0: I don't remember his name either. Actually,
1: I, I'm just calling him Benjamin Brad. But I mean, he's like—he's dating younger women and everything else like that. And then he just, yeah. And then every time they're, you know, in the dressing room for the swimsuit competition and the evening gown, oh my god, and, you know, like catcalling and everything else like that. And it's just like, yeah, you know. I get you're playing it up. I get that there are men like that, but it's just now yeah. In, yeah. in 2020, it's just after everything that's happened so far In <laughs> along those lines, just much much like what the game jokes, it hasn't aged well. Agreed. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's a little tough, but it's just, it's a matter. It's a, I mean, but at the same time, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt and know what time period it was in. Much like if you watch an older film, you have to take it with a grain of salt when they have backwards, what you would think are backwards, uh, uh, morals or customs.
0: Plus I did, I did notice that they did a, I think a decent job, especially for the time that it was made of balancing it out with Gracie Hart's own like independence, you know, like it wasn't like, you know, the masculine characters had to come to her rescue all the time. Like she fucking kicks ass. She, she is totally fine on her own. She even Mm -hmm. addresses the masculinity issue several times. And you know, the, um, you, you said it in the, one of the reviews you were, you were mentioning the, um, the, the pageantry of the, of the pageant. Um, yeah, the, you know, like the superficial, I think is what you said. Or something uh, like
1: that. The, yeah, the superficial... Yeah. Something... congeniality.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, like, she even addresses that a couple times. She says that at the end when they... When she's called up to the podium to, you know, be dubbed Miss Congeniality. She says that when... Uh, it's during the pageant when she's asked a question. And she goes on that whole, like, uh, long spiel about, you know, how she she thought that way too, that all of this was just for theatrics and pageantry and everything. And it was very superficial. But now that she's been around all these girls, like she realizes that it's about friendship and camaraderie. And these people are actually legitimately trying to make a difference the way that they know how. And, you know, so I liked that, that they actually, they didn't just like leave it alone and just convince you like, Oh, just, you know, just ignore it. These, these FBI agents are just, You know, they're just being... They're guys being guys. Just let them have their fun. They actually did... Like, they used Sandra Bullock's character to to kind of address it a little bit. Which I thought was good for, like I said, for the time that this movie was made.
1: So, I think that the... Like, along the lines of the toxic masculinity within the film, is that also hampers... Whatever romance we get in this film,
0: yeah, I I apologize, I I don't know why. Maybe because I've always associated with romantic periods of my life, but I could have sworn this was a lot more of a romantic comedy than it is. It's a lot more of a whodunit like mystery film. It's like a comedy action movie. Yeah, it's yeah it's like a very very tiny like romantic aspect to it. Yeah, but and, I. I've even heard other people call it a rom com.
1: Yeah, and because, you know, they put the romance in there. Like you have the pool scene between Benjamin Bratt and Sandra Bullock, like which where she, um, yeah. she's not sure about herself anymore. Um I mean they have some know.
0: decent chemistry throughout the movie, I thought, but
1: Yeah, it's just that that aspect of grace is not really explored enough. Like you have the like sad moment where she's like angrily punching the punching bag after she got someone shot on the very first like mission. And then you have Michael Caine calling her out on like her being guarded. And then she decides she's going to quit because she's, you know, been fine being guarded. And then she's not going to quit because, you know, he, 'cause uh Benjamin Brad's character. <laughs> I really should figure out his name, but I'm too lazy to do it. Uh yeah. Uh, it doesn't, he's, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's like but he he like says, you know, she's, you know, someone that someone could love, sort of thing. or yeah, whatever the whatever the line is. It's just like they they give it a little bit. Like they just kinda were like, oh hey, let's go ahead and just put a little bit here. Let's sprinkle a little here, sprinkle a little there. Here's here's some, you know, interstitial romance and personal development but mostly we're just gonna keep giving you the the funny with yeah. you know, the characters and all yeah. the but the thing is the funny wins out because the cast is so good mm-hmm. like, oh my right god like bullock, how fucking like good like sandra bullock go for and it then, well let's just start with the star yeah. and then we'll keep yeah, moving yeah. forward yeah sandra bullock there's a reason why her films make so much fucking money. The oh proposal God. made over three hundred million. This made over two hundred million. She's had other films that have made a shit ton of money. People love Sandra Bullock, and there's a reason why, and it's because she's a really good actress. She's funny, but also can be dramatic at times if need be. Um, she
0: is. She's a fantastic actor. You know uh,
1: what would you say is your favorite part of Sandra Bullock as a performer?
0: She, I love that she's, I don't know if this is really like a trait for an actor. I would think it is, but I love that she's, she's genuine. She's so relatable and real. And I fucking love that about her. She's, she just like, it's, it's instantaneous. The first time she comes on the screen, like I get so wrapped up in it and I'm just like, yes, I know this woman like I'm friends with her I I get her like it she's very just a real person and she I feel like she brings that into every role she's in whether it's serious or comedic or anything she's just a real relatable person
1: yeah I I would get a little more specific with it and I feel like it's her delivery of lines she mm. delivers lines extremely well, and I I don't necessarily think it's because like you know with movies you have, to have multiple takes you and you know try multiple things and everything else like that. But when I think of the proposal and when I think of this film and just how funny she is in both, it comes down to her delivery, and she plays two different characters that have two different types of speech. Like she has this like almost this weird New Jersey New York mishmash of accent in this film Mm -hmm. with also Mm -hmm. with and she also adds the snorts in her laughter (laughs) and then in this and then in the proposal you know she was just very straightforward i'm the boss i'm so i you know can't be vulnerable so i'm going to be straightforward and i just you cannot you will not get a word in because i'm going to be straightforward i'm going to cut you like a knife precision 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 and there's just it, she makes choices with her characters, and it really comes through in her speech, and that I feel like that's just an underrated aspect of her performance. Along along yeah, I the line, see that. you know, which of course is aided by her beauty and everything else, and her you know physicality. But
0: yeah, um, well, yeah, yeah, it helps that she's warmer. beautiful. But yeah. I mean,
1: if she? If she did everything she did physically and looked the way she looked, and then she sounded like Bobcat Goldway. <laughs> if at all if or not. she knows how to fucking deliver a line that's what it comes down to um, and then i think there's someone else you want to talk about before we talked about sandra bullock though
0: well i was gonna say i was gonna bring up the other phenomenal actor in the movie which is how did you say it
1: muckle kine
0: muckle kine muckle kine muckle kine i mean Good night. It's unfair because he's like he's of course, like professionally trained, I think he's, I think he's theatrically trained. I think I want to yeah. say like like he, like he, yeah. Ian McKellen and all them like. But maybe like that's he, just me being culturally uh, stupid and assuming that every formal British accent means that they're cultural or they they're theatrically trained. But <laughs> he, yeah, he's so fucking good.
1: Yeah, I mean he. Is well, he had a, a book on film acting in the seventies. Did he really? Yes. Oh like a God. book that I I found in like Powell's books and bought for like ninety nine cents.
0: Oh, and have, I haven't, I haven't read it.
1: But <laughs> I have it. I haven't read it, but I have it. Um <laughs> but uh what's funny about Michael Caine is the first time I was introduced to him was in the movie, The Cider House Rules, yeah, I think I mentioned how uh, my mom, you know, my mom and dad divorced. So when my mom wanted to go see a film, I was dragged along, True. and I got yeah. in because parental guidance got you into R-rated movies. So like, she didn't get a babysitter; she just brought me along, and you know, did the whole close your eyes things, sort or of, you know, and didn't really care about like if I heard cuss words or anything else like that. Right, uh, but the first time I actually saw him on film was *The Cider House Rules*, which he plays the paternal figure of orphans in New England while having an ether addiction in the fifties. And then there's also, God uh, damn, there's an, also an abortion that happens in the film. God because, damn, because a dad uh, molested his daughter. Um, God damn. And also, Toby Maguire and Charlize Theron are in it, and Toby Maguire bangs Charlize Theron in, in the woods, and you see his bare ass while he's banging her. I saw that when I was 10. This is my therapy session now. How? You- <laughs> <laughs> that's how I... That's why I, why I am how I am. Because <laughs> That movie alone, that did know. it. Well, no, because that's just how my mom... And I were like, it was just like a, a matter of fact thing. Like this is the fuck the world is like, and I trust you to be mature enough and to understand it. And so it's just like, so what? <laughs>
0: like, this is how the world yeah. is. There's addictions, there's abortions. Well, if you're no. lucky, there's sex in the woods.
1: No, it's more of like, uh, just understand that this is a movie sort of thing. I mean, yeah. And then the year before I had been taken to a rated R movie with my dad, where I saw the movie conspiracy theory on um, which, a movie in which uh, Mel Gibson believes in conspiracy theories. You saw the that where... when you were
0: 9 years old?
1: Yeah, and so that whole waterboarding scene where oh he's like being god. Oh god. Yeah, I saw that when I was 9. That is... that one gave me some some nightmares. Um uh, oh my so, god. You know, parents of the year. <laughs>
0: god, <laughs> yeah, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh it's it's not even 50 50 i'm gonna edit out out it's like 90 10 i'm not gonna edit that out
0: so. no, no, no 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 it's that's it is. What it is. uh that was like that was like i remember 10 of remember, our motivation for this podcast anyway yeah, was we we knew it, it just would be just talking shit yeah it, it um, would be, we knew it would become a fucking therapy session at some point you know <laughs>
1: it's rom-coms like well, it's bound to come out i'm pretty sure my first set of boobs i ever saw in film were some Hayek's and desperado and that came out in like '94. I was six. I mean, that's a that's a great set to start. With.
0: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. kind far of high there. Like, I still
1: follow her on Instagram. She's still a top three <laughs> crush to this day. <laughs> to <'Til> this day, <laughs> well, that's what Sandra Bullock. Did anyway, for me. So. so I mean, Sandra Bullock was a huge crush as a kid for me. Oh my God. I had a crush on her. Who like. Hope Floats was a huge uh, favorite of my sister Monica's. Um, so I remember Sandra Bullock and Hope Floats was a dying piece. Like for me, as, like, I've been meaning to rewatch it. It's a, it's more of a dramedy, a romantic dramedy um, about having to go back to your hometown after leaving it, and like. And it's a small hometown, and oh, that's, and then that's there's a whole, a... you know, mother-daughter relationship that has to be dealt with. And she's going back because her uh, husband, who was like a rich business guy, uh, basically admits he's like cheating through Jerry Springer. So it's like nationwide; and everyone sees it. Jesus. Um, and then she has to go back to her hometown where she was like the star cheerleader, and most popular and she's the one who got out of the town and now she's stuck back in her small Texas town mm. again. Now as a divorcée and a very embarrassed like divorcée and has to deal with everyone again. Um Yeah, I should check that movie. I might watch that shit tonight. <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's... Dude, her her <laughs> smile, her smile is intoxicating.
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, her she, her eyes great.
0: smile. Like I don't say that. I don't think that about a lot of people, but like, like everyone's eyes change when you smile. Obviously that's something I've definitely noticed with the pandemic and seeing that over everyone's masks. Like I can tell when someone's smiling, but like her eyes fucking smile. Like,
1: well, yeah, the eyes are the gateway to the soul and her eyes just say, she's very, you know, lighthearted and inviting. Like her eyes are very inviting. And it's just like, as a, as a viewer, you're just like, I'm with you. Like I am with you, and that that goes along the lines of what you said about how you know she's so relatable. You know this and that. It's because her eyes are very inviting, Um, and you know the best, the best eyes or the best actors have really good eyes. Like Humphrey Bogart. That's he's my favorite actor of all time, and it's because his eyes say so goddamn much. Especially in Casablanca, like in Casablanca is when he says. And all of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. When he says she walks into mine, I don't know if it was like an accident because they did film that film that movie very haphazardly, you know. So I doubt that a lot of the shots were like meant to look the way they were. They just kind of tried to get it done. But there's a gleam, like almost like a sparkle, that happens in his eye where it seems like a tear has begun to form and is about to fall. And it's just when he says of all the jokes, she walks into mine. The way he says mine and you see a sparkle in his eye of a tear about to fall. You're just like, fuck, <laughs> this guy's hurting. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love Casablanca. <laughs> yeah But uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I knew Kine. when I was 10 and I saw Cider House Rules. That was the whole tangent thing. Dude, I knew dude, when I saw him in Cider House Rules, a movie that I probably shouldn't have seen at that time. But I knew then, that guy's really good at acting.
0: He's so fucking good. The the, the deliveries that he gave just in this movie alone. Like, all of the lines that he has, especially with, with Gracie Hart early on when he's poking mm-hmm. fun at her. Well, poking fun is sugarcoating, and he's not poking fun at her. He's, he's just blatantly mm-hmm. stating things about her character. Like, just that whole restaurant scene where she's eating the steak and everything. And he's just sitting across the table, like gawking at the awfulness of her behavior. Yeah. And then the dry. So like, Oh my God, the the facial, the dry facial expression that he has (laughs) while he's saying all of this shit to her. And then, and then her response is back where it's just like, I'm rubber in your glue kind of thing. Like it's, mm-hmm. nothing affects her, but that makes him more mad. He doesn't have to get mad. He just sits there with the same fucking dry expression. And yet we know he hates her. Like, <laughs> like uh, he doesn't hate her. Well, he doesn't hate her, but it, like upon first I, initial, I
1: think, I, think, I think it's how he says when he says later in the film, like I, I feel as if you were like my daughter, which is why I'm I'm talking
0: just in that that restaurant scene where he's still getting to know uh, her and he's still looking at like, he's still looking at her as a project that is going to doom his already doomed career. Yeah.
1: There's a, there's a definite disgust.
0: Yes. Disgust. That's a much better way to put it. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, he, he plays his part well, extremely well. Yes. Um, I I personally like just the constant taking away of food from her. Just a fun little thing. Yeah. A fun little thing that's not that's done off, you know, off center. You can see it, but you don't necessarily they don't necessarily bring attention to it. It's just something that's there. If you catch it, it's a nice little nugget for you to have. And so just I mean, it's brought to center, but when it's brought to center, it's brought to center in a big way. When she's hidden two donuts in her boobs and one in her crotch, <laughs> and then, and, then, and the dog, the sniffing dog gets the <laughs> little. Crap. Um, so I mean that part like is done, but everything else as far as taking away the food, um, that sandwich looked amazing. Oh yes,
0: it did. Oh my god! I,
1: fuck! I want like I curfews. Do you, uh, can I order a sandwich? Do we still have curfew? I think so. But I, I haven't heard of it, so it so.
0: being lifted.
1: Yeah. I mean I wouldn't have it. Are there have like, you found, found any good
0: like really good sand like I'm I've been jonesing for like a really damn good like deli sandwich? I
1: haven't like any I haven't found any like local places like yeah, like uh, like there used to be like in in Oregon, there was a place called Sub Shop. I mean, it always seems like there's a every small town has a place called Sub Shop, and they're all different, but they're all the same. Where it's just like, you know, quality ingredients, and they charge like two dollars more than any Subway sandwich would be, but like you know, it's gonna be a better quality sub sandwich. And that was this place, and in high school, they stupidly uh, in our student newspaper put a art a coupon in there where it was like buy one half sandwich, get one half sandwich free. So basically get like buy one six inch, get a six inch free. They didn't put any expiration on that coupon. Oh boy. And the student newspaper is free to everyone in the school. My buddies and I figured out that <laughs> that was in there in a senior year. We grabbed a stack of like 50 newspapers and about three times a week we were, going, <laughs> we were going to that place and we were alternating who paid. And like every day it's like, okay, you're paying for the sandwich and then you're paying for the sandwich and then you're paying for the sandwich. And we basically get three halves of the sandwich and like a bag of chips each for like what essentially worked out to like $5 on a single day. Because <laughs> it was back in like 2005, five six, And then they – finally put like an expiration on it the next month. <laughs> and like, and I think and the owner got to know us. So she got to like us, but at the same time, uh, she kind of politely was like, Hey, uh, I'm not going to accept these anymore. <laughs> and, and we're just like, all right, you know, well, we'll still come by. And we, we, we limited it to like once every couple of weeks at that point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Cause we were just poor high school students. Come on. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. But yeah, We need to find a good sandwich spot.
0: We do. We do.
1: I mean, we got to
0: have them around here. It's Chicago. I'm sure. I'm sure. Got to investigate.
1: I mean, well, technically, you just buy a deep dish pizza. It's a sandwich.
0: If anyone is listening and is in Chicago and happens to know of a good deli place or a good sandwich place, let us know. And if we you will, say Jersey Michael's, I'll kick you. If you say fucking Jimmy John's or Subway or Jersey Mike's or whatever the fuck. You will get kicked. Get the fuck out of here. I want a real <laughs> fucking deli place. I want a real fucking deli. And if you know, if you know, your reward will be something. I don't know what yet. We'll we'll have you on the show for like ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you we'll have you be the first uh, guest call in. Like there you no go. no well I guess yeah it would be a true guest call in if it was someone uh, we didn't know.
1: Now we'll just shout out your tag. On yeah, we'll the just, yeah we'll just yeah we'll just yeah Instagram. we anyway, will send you a
0: picture uh, of us enjoying the sandwich you recommended.
1: <laughs> you really you can DM frame it.
0: it you can.
1: <laughs> we'll be eating it, Lady of the Tramp style. You will. I did not
0: sign up for that.
1: <laughs> well, you obviously don't care about our tens and tens of listeners. Like that, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, there's one last chat I wanted to give for the cast, and it, it's the the pageant friends that Grace makes. Uh, you know, Rhode Island, California, Texas, Hawaii, New York. Uh, those are the main ones um yeah just i thought that they all were really good as supporting actresses um especially of course rhode island i forget her name is it beth fisher sarah fisher uh, like not not the actual character but like the actress yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I looked it up but like um she the climax she, like, where she's just like crying at the end <laughs> that i mean whenever she did the batons really thing like the way that she as an actress committed to the baton twirling, like, like it's just so gung-ho about it. it was perfect uh just the the date thing i feel like that was a precursor oh. to to amanda seyfried in mean girls where She's like, she's got ESPN. And then, and she also, and Amanda Seyfried, like mentions, there's a 70% chance that it's already raining. Um, I don't remember that. uh, I mean, those are mean girl lines. uh, People who've seen the movie now. But this, like, I feel like this character was almost like a precursor to that. Just the way that she answered the favorite date question which is a great written joke oh yeah that's a fantastic written joke uh april 25th it's not not and i see people i see people post that meme on april 25th (laughs) um uh, there are a lot of good classic
0: moments from this film
1: yeah i i mean those I, i mean you know one thing they kind of gloss over a little bit is how Rhode Island was attacked by her professor. Oh yeah.
0: Oh fuck. Like, I totally forgot about that.
1: It's like, okay, look, I know that tr- like, that's how they're trying to connect the dots. to where Gracie decides to do the self-defense talent in the pageant, And decide and like beats up Benjamin Brad's character. Right. And they try they're trying to set up that punchline at the end. And the way that they set decide to set it up is by having Rhode Island being attacked by a professor in college. Like that's the setup? That's where we're going with the setup. Yeah, you could have done
0: a lot more subtle setup to that.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. That's <laughs>
0: that was that's like you I, went I, way too far with that. Like yeah. there's other options. It, it, it,
1: yeah. Also, they never really answer her like protest thing. I mean
0: her protest thing.
1: Like they have pictures of her protesting on campus. So that's why they thought Rhode Island oh. might be the suspect to begin with. Um they never really go into that. I wonder what she was protesting about.
0: You know, I I would have now that you bring that up, I would have loved to see um, I would have loved to see like the end where Rhode Island actually puts Gracie Hart's teachings of self-defense into action to save the day. You know, she, she's well, always like the whole movie. She was this timid, you know, pushover of a character and I would have loved mm-hmm. to see her grow beyond that and put, you know, like we see that she has this, past you know you introduce that horrible fucking story if you want to <laughs> yeah. try tying it up at all then use that story to have gracie hart teach her self-defense and teach everyone self-defense and then well, at the end have her be the one that puts it into to action i don't know how you would have to you'd have to her have her be in the know and figure they, it out but see they
1: they, they... Try to set that up, but then she falls down drunk as hell. So, like, right when Grace was gonna teach her self defense, that's when she falls down. When they're trying to get another shot, and then, like, that's when they're just like, "Oh, she's drunk. We gotta go home." True. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, it's just like the her like gaining strength, like her. You know, her dynamic rhyme in the movie is that she comes in thinking she's just going to take part, and she ends up winning the pageant because of the confidence that's instilled to her by Grace and by these new friends that she's made. And so they instill a confidence in her, and Grace gives her the flaming batons, and then you know she—that's true—and she ends up winning the pageant that she thought she wasn't going to make the top ten. In.
0: That's true. At least they, at least they do show that she, she grew. Yeah. And
1: then she's the one who comes and introduces Grace as Miss Congeniality is, is there supporting her. And then, and then, I mean, I guess she's in the second one, although I haven't seen the second one.
0: I have, it's, it's good. It's not bad. It's for a sequel. It's, it's solid. I still prefer Uh, the first one, obviously, but.
1: um, Yeah. Before, yeah. Before we move on to like the, the, you know, what happens after after and the kiss and everything uh let's talk briefly about the sequel i did read the plot synopsis um and the plot basically it's regina king playing a new fbi agent who moves from chicago to new york who now has to become a bodyguard for grace because grace has become the mascot of the fbi after this whole pageant thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's how they set up the whole movie and then they set up like something in Las Vegas with like another pageant or something. And then, you know, so on and so forth. But it, it basically is more of a buddy cop film.
0: It is. Yeah.
1: Between Regina King and Sandra Bullock. And that's where, what happens after ever after comes in. There really isn't one because in this film, the sequel, the action, it is canon that she breaks up with Benjamin Bratt's character a few weeks after the pageant. Because he gets relocated to Miami. Yep. So. All the romance in the film. The first one. Yep. Is thrown away after a few weeks. Because he gets relocated to Miami. Which doesn't surprise me. Because of his toxic masculinity. Throughout the film. Well of course. So yeah. And then Sandra Bullock mentioned in like interviews because she was also a producer and helped create the storyline for the second movie um she mentioned you know she wanted to do something where it's like why can't women be the comedy why can't women do this and you know do that in film and she wanted it to be she's like why does it have to be a romantic why does it have to be a romantic storyline why can't it be more of a buddy film and that was her kind of idea and gung-ho like attitude toward making the sequel so even she was dismissive mm-hmm. of the romance mm-hmm. in the musicality series. So, Max. Yes. What did you <laughs> Is this movie a rom-com?
0: It is not. But for some reason, <laughs> I just have it registered in my brain as a rom-com. And so do a, like I said, so do a lot of people. Like I'm not I'm not making that up.
1: Not like there's so we, many we, people we, that we, thought of that. It is a rom-com. we reviewed and Kurt, Mark, good or white castle, so it's fine. <laughs> yes, like, there you I, go. I, we get the occasional I, exception. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. But, but, yeah, this is a lot less of a rom-com than I expected it to be and that you remembered it
0: being. Yep, absolutely. But you know Which, what? It was a good movie. It had a good cast. It was a lot of good scenes. It was funny.
1: Yeah. Um, and,
0: oh, actually, one other additional character we have yet to discuss that is very important and near and dear to my heart James T. Kirk
1: Yeah <laughs> James I'm T. Not, Kirk
0: I, was in this movie
1: I've never been a fan of William Shatner um, I've never liked to shtick, and uh, thought his performance was ignored for a reason
0: I actually am much more of a fan of his performance in this movie than in Star Trek. Wow! Yeah, I mean, I was never a James D. Kirk fanatic. Like, You're Picard. I got it. He's it's Picard. Like it's the best fucking captain. Like get the fuck out of here. Like Kirk would never uh. be captaining a starship. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. That's yeah. a rabbit hole. But.
1: Yeah, watch out for Max's, you know, offshoot podcast about Star Trek.
0: No, 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 no one wants to hear that. No. no, no, there are many facets to Max, and the nerdy side is one that will never be aired. Well, more so than it already has been right now. <laughs>
1: uh, what is it? The the final f- space, the final frontier?
0: These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Fuck you for setting me up. Stop it. No. well dude the enterprise is is beautiful and someday humanity will earn that gorgeous ship
1: well let's go to the final frontier of the of the podcast here which is the kiss uh so i thought that the kiss was set up well because they they brought back the you want to kiss me yes you want to love me he want to marry me. Like they brought that <laughs> God, back, which that. was funny. And then the actual kiss happened, which was serviceable. I thought the whole thing was a B and it was saved by the whole sing song thing that they did, which is inherently funny without it. It would have been a C, but it's a B for me.
0: I I agree. I would, the whole lead up to it was adorable. I, I have already said, I love that, that scene, um, the kiss itself was decent, but then they, they they like cut it like three seconds in. It was like this weird, awkward cut, and like that was the romance
1: it. is it the it. Is it the I know, film. but fuck, come on! And it, they it, gave it as much attention as they gave the romance attention in the film.
0: Another thing it was missing, by the way, uh, from a typical rom com that we re- we would review is that we didn't have a lot of character like backstory. We didn't know why Gracie Hart was the way she was. We didn't know I mean, why... The, they, gave
1: it, they gave you one scene at the very beginning with the whole, she saved someone who was being bullied who then disliked her because of it, and so she got mad. And, so that was supposed to be the inherent, She's she hates being vulnerable because whenever she's vulnerable, she gets shit on by whomever she's trying to be vulnerable with. Well, that's that actually... That's a good point. I forgot about that. That was the whole setup of the very first scene. Um, that's why they they had that first scene. Um, supposedly, there was supposed to be more that happened within the childhood, but this movie was already an hour and 50 minutes. They couldn't really fit it. Um, and so, and then, yeah, they tried to reprise it with the whole Michael Caine bringing up why is she so guarded and this and that and the other, and then she decides she wants to quit instead of like facing it. So she's super guarded. Um, And then it takes Benjamin Brad's character in the pool shirtless and telling her that he loves who she is as a person for her to finally let her walls down a little bit.
0: True. All right. Well, actually, yeah, now that you point that out, that actually does kind of have the makings of a A rom-com. So it's
1: very minimal. Um, It doesn't take nearly as much precedent as uh, the – you know the who done it, right? And the mystery leading to Candace Bergen, who once again plays a rom com villain <laughs> in in a film Dude, that she, we got like,
0: because she's such a perfect fucking like
1: hoity toity villain. Yeah, you just, want, you just want to call her a, she. She was a Karen before Karens were Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's so true. And so it's just easy to just be like dismissive of her. Um oh my so yeah, we, we did what happens ever after in the kiss, like so uh, let's get to the verdict. Uh I think yours is pretty obvious. Go ahead and give it to us. I'd marry it. Yeah.
0: That's an easy one.
1: And I would fuck it. I do you know it's it's a funny movie that you should watch once and laugh at. Yeah. And maybe watch again in a long time from the first time you watch it. But if you're looking for romance, don't come and knock it. You're looking if you're looking for lass, hey, have fun.
0: Hey, so, there's some romance. What is not romantic about a girl just like wrestling you and shit? Is it did you not find I that mean, I, I
1: will I will <laughs> let like let's bring that up real quick. That scene where they're fighting each other on the mat and wrestling is legit hot. Right! Like, that's right? Legit legit hot. Like it's Thank a well known scene. Well, I mean, we're talking about a director here who, at like, at his at their best, could create a shot that's visually appealing and makes sense. And so, because we're talking about the same director who came up with that coming out of the airport hangar scene from Sandra Bullock, so with that wrestling scene, it's choreographed really well and it's shot really well. And knowing that there's tension between the two of them. And you know, like the sexual tension is kind of growing between them as well, yeah. Because there's a trust in everything. It makes that scene, and just how close they are, and everything else. They they do what they're doing as far as choreography, to incite a sexiness to that scene. True, beyond the violence, but and so it's just there, it's a, it's a hot scene.
0: There is also I I don't. I don't. I really like. There's some. I'm sure a therapist would love to delve into the psychology of my brain in this in this situation. But for some reason, that has always been attractive to me. A girl that can like kick my ass for some reason. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why. I don't. I don't have any more details beyond that. I mean, that's, that's all I,
1: I wrestle I wrestled in high school, and that's always been something where. Uh, you know, if I ever got in a relationship, that'd be something I'd be <laughs> interested in doing. It's just like it's just fun. randomly just because, like, I would do that with my mom when I was wrestling in high school, where I just like all of a sudden like get her in like a wrestling tie, <laughs> like where I'd have my hand on like her shoulder and my other hand <laughs> on her elbow, and then I'd like act, and then I'd like go around and like give her a hug from behind, and like I wouldn't necessarily like pick her up or take her down or anything else like that. I would but, like I would not, just like, but yeah, but I would just like practice little moves on her every now and again not like hurting or anything She just always be like god damn it Ray, stop <laughs> like but like it was just always like you know just little like it, it always end up in a hug sort of right, situation right, right. and it's just like that kind of physical contact and touch is something that i look forward to in a relationship whatever yeah. that happens because that's think something it's... that i would hope that my partner would be open to um wherever she is
0: i think it's about a level of trust and equality yes. Like, yeah. I think that's why it's attractive to me is it's like, if you yeah. have that, if you have that with someone, then obviously there's a good level of trust there where you guys trust each other enough to do this, that you're not going to hurt each other or you will hurt each yeah. other, but it's not like horrible, you know? Um, and, you know, it like, it's, it can be repaired with, like you said, a hug or, you know, a kiss or something, you know? Um, mm. and, and then like the equality thing, like I, I I've always I've always loved having a partner that can go toe-to-toe with me in whatever, in whatever, whether it's, like, a sport or an activity or a game. I I mean, it it drives me insane, and it pisses me off in the moment, but then afterwards, I'm like,
1: God, I'm so fucking pissed at you, but I'm so turned on. I don't know Ah. why. Ah, I That's – yeah, I need to have someone that I can – intellectually spar with or converse with exactly yes it's just it's not going to work if that is not the
0: situation yeah
1: Yeah. um and it's because i'm spoiled i have two older sisters and a mom who i could verbally you know spar with at any point in time yeah Um, although my mom's now gone rest in peace but like my two sisters i still talk to them you know at least once a week if not more and i talk about completely different things with both of them but they just you know i can just go deep into you know whatever conversation we have about whatever topics we discuss um, and it's just and it's just like i i have fe- really strong female figures who i can have these deep conversations with so it's just like that's something i yeah. expect from yeah my partner and it's just, there's not and i i've found the out the hard way that there is a dearth of females on that level <laughs> um, yeah. if you're out there my dms are open. <laughs> anyway um, you know speaking of dms our uh instagram account is bromancing the stone podcast uh as far as on twitter we are bro the stone pod you can find me on instagram at relusa88 that's r-e-l-u-s-a-88 and my Twitter is Supermarket Sweep without the E and Super. So it's S U P R, Market Sweep. And uh, I don't want to lose your love tonight. <laughs> anyway, uh, Max, what's your Instagram?
0: I got Instagram at The Lionhearted, which is T H E, period, L Y O N H E A R T E D. And actually, I just remembered, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, while I was watching the movie or while I was talking about wrestling and how much of a, you know, turn on that weirdly is. Yeah. Uh But, dude, I just remembered my first girlfriend. That's how we met. What? Yeah. Lisa, my high school girlfriend.
1: Um, that's how, how you met? Like, what do you mean by how you met? In eighth grade...
0: In eighth Mm -hmm. grade, we both went to a New Year's Eve party, which in eighth grade is basically consists of a lot of Doritos, sparkling cider, and a basement with your close friends. Yep. Um, Snacks,
1: drinks, hopefully a ping pong table, and a TV with the New Year's Eve on. Yep, exactly.
0: Um, And I think it was actually uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. Damn Um, right and so we i, I don't even remember the, the the build up to it but at some point we had i think it was three guys in the whole fucking room out of like 10 people so it was like seven girls three guys yeah, like those odds it was pretty decent odds but in 8th grade what the fuck are you going to do like you don't know what the hell to yeah. do with it i'm sitting there yeah. like you know every every the all three guys are sitting there going yeah we don't know what the fuck we're doing <laughs> um And I think at some point our dumbass eighth grade brains thought that a wrestling match between the three of us would be good to show off to the girls. (laughs) In fact, now I am remembering. Yeah, that actually is it. That's oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is embarrassing. I don't know if I want to
1: talk about this. Um, Okay. So look, WWE wrestlers get all kinds of ass, and they will always have triple threat matches, so that makes sense. All <laughs> right. So, yeah. So
0: we we wrestled, and I don't know how my six foot string bean ass at the time beat all all two of them, um, mm. but probably because they were string beans as well and they were shorter than me. So, um, <laughs> uh, so I when you know when I beat them. Lisa comes up and is like, all right, I want to take on the the winner. For reference, (laughs) Lisa was 5'11". So I was suddenly on an even playing field. And because, you know, it's eighth grade and I'm very inexperienced with any sort of social setting like this. I, you know, it's a girl. I went, you know, I, I was like, I'm not going to wrestle you like that. That's, that's bad. I can't do that. But you know what? You, I'll entertain the idea. Let's wrestle. She pinned me in like five seconds. And ah, ah, the worst part was, is that as soon as she did, I was like, well, fuck this. I'm not going easy anymore. And I'm like, that's it. I'm getting out of this. Okay. I'm still trying to get out of this. I swear, I'm gonna get out of this. All right, I give up. Like (laughs) she she destroyed me, and then she just walks off, like strutting her stuff. Like that's right, I fucking own you. And like three months later, we were dating. (laughs) That lasted for six fucking years.
1: Well, I mean, so you should honestly be glad that she pinned you so quickly. Because if that ended up being like a forty-five second to minute, minute and a half wrestling match, you probably would have popped the boner.
0: It, dude, it was eighth grade. Five seconds is all I needed.
1: Well, if she just like paid you quickly, obviously there wasn't a lot of opportunity to rub. So that was, that's why I'm.
0: saying. I mean, she was she was kind of on top of me, so you know.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're we're done talking about yeah, eighth eight grade chapters. It's, all it's right. Great, yeah. So, uh, it's my choice for a film. I teased last week that I knew what I wanted to do. Man, what do we got? What um, we basically, got? we haven't gone to the old school movies, to the black and white movies since it happened one night, which is all the way back to episode twelve, I believe. Um, this is episode twenty-seven, so we're it's been a bit. It's been that according to my calculations about four months so we're going back and we're gonna watch one of my favorites i mentioned him earlier in the podcast help bogart stars alongside audrey hepburn Ooh. And, and william holden in the film sabrina this is one of my favorites. It's considered a classic, but at the what same the time... fuck?
0: I've never even it, heard of that.
1: I was about to say, it's a lesser-known classic. Uh, there was a remake of the film that starred Harrison Ford and formerly on the podcast Juliette Binoche. Uh, her, she played Marie and Dan in real life. Um, they remade the movie in 96. We're not doing the remake. The remake's okay at best, but Harrison Ford can't hold a fucking candle to Humphrey Bogart. So also, Harrison doing,
0: Ford is not a rom-com actor,
1: and that is the big reason why that ro- that remake is not that great. Like,
0: I um, love Harrison Ford, but he's not a rom-com actor.
1: I mean, I 100 I percent agree. Like, at the end, where he's just like he he says to Sabrina at the end, like, "I need you." Like, he says it like he like giving back my son. I'm just like he, <laughs> this is a Nah, dog. There's there's a different tone you gotta use. Uh, Don't so. call
0: me Junior.
1: <laughs> get off my plane, or in this case, get <laughs> on my plane. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but nonetheless, uh, so yes, Sabrina is what we will be watching. Um, very intrigued to see what you think of it. All I right. love the fuck out of that film. It's got a nice little mix of slapstick with the romance. Audrey Hepburn is absolutely enchanting. Well, we need um, we
0: needed an Audrey Hepburn film in there somewhere. So. Yeah,
1: it was it was getting to be about that time. Yeah, and I feel like Roman Holiday can wait a little bit. Yeah, so we'll do this one. Um, and uh, and I'm interested, and we'll talk about the romance. There's definitely romance in the film, but we'll talk about it and how we feel about it. Cause I think that's the one thing that's worthy of talking about in this film. So. Okay. I well, yeah. look forward to it. Yes. So everyone show. pull out your, uh, there's nothing really for like black and white. <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> <laughs> your glasses that help you with watching black and white movies. uh, <laughs> yeah, uh whatever we're going to watch sabrina it's the one in the 50s it's black and white so get get all out your
0: pull out your vcrs and your two tvs
1: pull out your vcrs and you know get ready for the ribbon to keep going across every now and again on the film oh my uh... god oh my (laughs) god and uh we will chat with y'all next week until then we love y'all and we thank you all for rocking with us adios
0: stay safe stay positive stay healthy love you guys
1: and black lives matter
0: hell yes